queers and stuff, and we're Allison, and we're Shan, and this is Vintage Lesbians. Hello and welcome to Vintage Lesbians, a personal journey of friendship and queer history where we try to set the record a little less straight. I am Allison, and I am one of your hosts. And I'm Shan, your other host. And this is Vintage Lesbians. So for content warnings, we will be talking about uh, religion, uh, and specifically the Catholic Church. Also, isn't there a very specific special content warning for one specific special person? We also, at one point during this, uh, will be talking about sex. So I just wanted to address this to my mom. Hey mom, if you're listening, uh, could you please just sort of like skip ahead during a certain point? You'll, You'll know which one it is. When your daughter says orgasm. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yep. We're doing it. Actually, Mom, just don't listen to any of this. <laughs> All right. See you. See you next time. I'm ready. <laughs> so how you doing? I'm better than I usually am. Not that I don't love spending time with you. It's just that there are p- my girlfriends here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> this is Joe, everyone. Hello. It's nice to meet you all. Joe, how are you doing? Uh, I am doing pretty all right. I have a lovely cup of tea, and I'm a little bit high. And what? Am, uh, Joe, you do drugs? I I have done a drug, yes, <gasps> in, in my sordid past. Uh, and very ready to talk about this topic because I grew up way too Catholic. We're going to be talking about Hildegard von Bingham, or Hildegard of Bingen today. She was. Allison, how are you doing? Oh, oh, hi. Hi, guys. That's I'm doing a good great. Question. I kind of feel like the uh, country I grew up in is rapidly becoming more and more of a dystopia, mm. and um, it feels bad, and I feel scared all the time. Yep. But, like, on a personal level, I'm fine. Yeah. Doing great. You know, cool. just living the dream. I got a new prescription today. Hey, tell me about this. I'm going to be on Wellbutrin like my two good friends, Joe and Allison. <laughs> yeah, Wellbutrin Club. We did it. New antidepressant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is where we all high five and freeze frame. Hell yeah. Hot take here, but we are <clears throat> against depression. Mm-hmm. You know who makes antidepressants? Pharmacists. Hmm. You know who was an early pharmacist in the Middle Ages? <gasps> Hildegard of Bingen. Bingen. I always want to say Bingman. Bingman. <laughs> Bingen. Bingham? Bing N. B I N G G H G A N E N? No H? Nope. Bingen. Saint Hildegard von Bingen was a medieval German abbess, artist, poet, mystic, composer, healer, scientist, herbalist, pharmacist, and theologian. And she was really cool. I am really fascinated to hear this because I have known a bit about uh, St. Hildegard as I knew here for quite a while, and at no point in any of that did they bring up uh, a queerness or (laughs) any sort of thing uh, similar to it. Uh, So yeah, I'm fascinated to hear where this goes. When I FaceTimed you earlier today, you were literally listening to the canticles. (laughs) (laughs) Can't actually know for sure 100% if she was gay or queer or anything like that. Mm -hmm. There are some very compelling letters and things that she said that we all read. I'm also kind of tired of straight just being the default. We don't know if she's gay or not, but you know what? I'm not just going to assume she's straight. The Catholic Church in the 10th and 11th centuries were kind of a haven for queer people, though, because it was one of the only places in the world where you weren't expected to get married. So assuming that no one in the Catholic Church is straight is also... er, er. (laughs) 
You heard it here, folks. A little Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> assuming that everyone in the Catholic Church uh, is or was straight, especially priests and nuns, is just silly. Eventually, like, essentially, it was either you were too poor and you were sent to the church because your parents couldn't, you know, feed you, mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. in which case you were sent young and you didn't always become a nun or a, a monk and a priest and whatever, or you couldn't get, you didn't want to get married. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Because, why? Because, mm-hmm. because, because gay. gay? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But you also couldn't tell anyone you were gay. Mm-hmm. Because. Legal. Death. Death. Mm-hmm. And social stigma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First they kill you and then they hate you. <laughs> they hate you and they kill you and then they continue to hate you, I mm-hmm. think. Mm, that's true. So, so upsetting. Anyway, so tell us about Hildy, how, how gay Hell she was, yeah. please. So she was a woman in a patriarchal culture with a male-run church, mm-hmm. and she had to work hard to be heard and have her wisdom and insights taken seriously. But she did it. She's considered a doctor of the church now. That's a spoiler yeah. for the end. One of a very few number of women that managed to get on mm-hmm. that list. Good for Hildy. Hell yeah. Is it cool if I call her Hildy? Let's call her Hildy. Let's call her Hildy. I just want to feel like casual, like, like I'm hey, friends Hildy. with her. I feel like Hildy is watching over us and she's chill with this podcast. Hell yeah. We should get like a little prayer candle to St. Hildegard. <gasps> okay, I'm genuinely going to get us okay. one. We're going to look into it. Yep. I also had one last disclaimer. Um, I want to tell the story as if I believe in magic, by which I mean um, I tend not to really believe in miracles and that kind of thing, or at least miracles without some kind of explanation. And my inclination is usually to just sort of science them away. Mm-hmm. But for this time, I wanted to talk about Hildegard's visions and miracles as she and the people of her time understood them, um, and not say things like, eh, it was probably a migraine, though. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to say that. Hell yeah. Will I'm I down. cut that section out? Who can say? <laughs> I'm down to believe in magic. I mm-hmm. am really down for that. Here's to magic. To magic. Clink. There's definitely a lot of room for investigating stuff like that with a critical eye, but there's also just like a level at which a lot of those explanations just feel really unsatisfying. Okay, maybe it was a migraine or something like that. Or yeah. maybe God spoke to people. Or maybe in the God 10th spoke century. to people in tenth century. I don't know. That seems like a better way of interpreting this than randomly tossing out ideas about people we've no idea of. While still asserting that she is gay. She's so gay. Oh, yeah, no, well, she's obviously gay. She's the gayest, guys. You'll just just stay tuned. St. <laughs> Hildegard of Bingen was born in 1098, 1098, in what is now Germany. She what was, was it then? It was just like, you know, associated lands, etc. Gosh, that's so weird to think about. Right? History's strange. When was We're Germany different united? Then. It was like late 19th or early 20th century. Siri, when did Germany die? When did Germany be... Was Germany Germany when Martin Luther did Germany? There were a bunch of, like, German people who all spoke, mm-hmm. like, German and whatnot, but they didn't have uh, a national identity until the 19th century. Oh, wait. Uh, 1871. 1871. Cut out all the bullshit with me arguing with Siri. We don't have the rights to Siri's voice. Mm. Yeah. Also, I don't know if it would be the most interesting listening experience. <laughs> True. <laughs> Hildegard, Hildy, my best friend, mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, was the 10th child born to a minor noble family, and as was custom at the time, she was given as a tithe to the church. <laughs> yeah, mm, it's creepy. gross. That's just a horrifying sentence. It is really Here, gross. take one-tenth of my possessions. <laughs> my possessions include the children I make. Mm-hmm. But we need to understand that women at these times had everything chosen for them, so it wasn't, like, significantly more gross than the Being given to girls who weren't yeah. given to the church. And I feel like no, I would actually much rather be given to the church than to some older nobleman. Oh, probably. no, she lucked out. Yeah. yeah. 
There's a website called Going Medieval, which we'll link to on our Patreon. They published an article in 2018 after Dirty Computer came out, and it was called Considering Bad Motherfuckers, Hildegard of Bingen and Janelle Monet. Oh, yes. Mm. And it's very good. I'm going to be referencing a lot of that during this article. Please do. They compared Janelle Monet's album, Dirty Computer, to the writings of Hildegard um, as an example of, quote, an amazing record of queerness and female authorship in a male-dominated society. They also described nunneries at that time, and I liked the way that they said it, so I'm just quoting it outright instead yeah. of paraphrasing it. Give me a quote. Nunneries in the medieval period were more or less the place to be if you're a woman who was A, smart, and B, not royal, so that you could go think instead of getting married and seeing to a family and likely a farm for the rest of your life. That does sound mm-hmm. ideal. She was also a great fit for this life because she began experiencing visions around the age of three. She described them as shades of living light, and she didn't really understand that they were visions and that not everyone experienced them until she was about five years old. When she was eight, she was given to the Benedictine nun at the monastery of St. Disbodenberg, nailed it, where she studied under her teacher, the Countess Jutta of Sponheim, who was an anchoress. So that's a woman who chooses to withdraw into a solitary life of prayer and mortification. Mm, sounds yeah. terrible. Gross, and I don't like it. At that monastery, she learned how to read and write. She learned how to play instruments and read music, and she began dabbling in compositions as she was a Ooh. child. She continued to have visions, but she didn't tell anyone about them except for Jutta, her teacher. And then Jutta eventually died. Yes. I have a question. Yes, please go. How come I know so much about Mozart's nine-year-old compositions, but I didn't know shit about Hildy? I'm not sure she wrote them when she was nine. I know she wrote them before she took her vows at the age of 16, so it was pretty young. That's still pretty prodigal. I know. I think we both know the reason. Vagina? Mm. Yes. Also, it was probably easier to, like, record things in the 1800s. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Dill. Bitches. Juta. Jutta? I'm just going to say her name differently every time. That's fine. Do it. J-Gal. Anyway, she died. Aww. <laughs> Following complications uh, from self-flagellation. Ew. So, I'll do it. Hurting yourself to purify your soul, as, as I understand it. Yeah. yeah. So for the rest of her life, Hildegard spoke out about that practice, and she would discourage people who lived in her uh, eventual nunnery that she owned. Uh, she didn't own it, you know? Ran? Ran. Yeah. She was an abbess. The yeah. abbey she abbeyed, you know? Yeah. Was she a mother superior? She was an abbess. That's all I know. Okay. I know about Catholicism from a three-month period where I lived with a Catholic roommate and mm-hmm. The Sound of Music. Okay. Nice. And I feel like I've got it covered. Yeah, that's basically it. Mm-hmm. That's, like, um, pretty much it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Being an abbess literally just means that you, like, run an nunnery or a convent, and so you would be, convent. like, the highest, like, ranked person there. But because the Catholic Church is weird about the whole women thing, like, there's no real difference in that. They're not going to ordain you or anything. So you're just sort of like, oh, I guess you're the most special woman in this place where we put you. But they would be called Mother Superior then. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Who can say? Because the nuns... Well, okay, so I have relatives that are nuns. Right. (laughs) That's going to be fun when we talk about nun masturbation later, but keep going. The hierarchy goes <laughs> long last. The hierarchy goes like sisters and the mother superiors. <laughs> yeah. And then like and then docents below yeah. sisters. So, like right. how do you solve a problem like Maria? Exactly. That's, true. That's what I know about Catholicism. I'm sorry, my Catholic friends. By which I mean yeah. Joe, I it's think. Chill. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm cool with it. <laughs> I'm also cool with it. So you're half forgiven from me. Mm. Oh, I forgot you're Catholic kind of. Kind of. I'm All baptized Catholic Christian. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to heaven. Am I though? No. <laughs> I've never once confessed, and I won't. Not to a priest, anyway. 
like, like the loosey goosey nature of this record. It's gonna be a good episode. Yeah, it's gonna be a special great. one. I can't figure out if she's a Mother Superior. I'm so sorry fine, for failing you in this day. Mother Superior isn't, I don't know it if that's like it, an She actual, was a doctor It just means that yeah. she's in charge. <laughs> yeah. Mother Superior she just was means in charge. person in charge of this abbey. But yeah. before she was in charge, she was between the ages of 16 to 18, and she became a Benedictine nun for the first time. Amazing. Hell yeah. Or the only, you know, she became a Benedictine nun. That would be ominous, though, if she, like, needed to become a nun multiple times. When she was 42 years old, so fast forward 20 years, Mm -hmm. 24 years, she received a clear vision from God telling her that she needed to, quote, write down what you see and hear. She was hesitant to follow these instructions and became very ill. And then when she began writing again, she recovered. Coincidence? Probably. Mm. Um... (laughs) Hildegard was nursed during her illness and encouraged in her writing by her personal assistant, Richardus von Stade. You may be wondering why I brought up Richardus von Stade so intentionally. Uh, besides the fact that that is an amazing name. It's a real yes. good name. Richardus von Stade. Yes. Well, she was also described as Hildegard's soulmate and her special favorite. Ooh. Oh, special favorite, you say. <laughs> One um, source that I read that I did not write down where I got it from, but here's a quote. It says, whether or not they were physically intimate, Hildegard's actions suggest that she was a lesbian in the sense that her primary love interest was a woman. Um, well, I'm glad she had friends. Just gals. <laughs> just gals, gals being, being pals. pals. Yeah. Just guys being dudes. <laughs> <laughs> After Hildegard started to get better, her writings exploded. Metaphorically. Okay. Um, <laughs> she was hugely literally. prolific. Um, and many of her books and documents still exist today. Um, her writings deeply influenced the church and the mystic understanding of God. It also made her a respected and influential thinker in a time when women were at best treated as subhuman afterthoughts, <laughs> which is different than today. Yes, today we're treated as autonomous, full persons who can make our own de- decisions for mm-hmm. our bodies. Yep. Mm. I want to punch a fucking wall. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, tell me about Hildy. <laughs> Uh, she wrote three volumes of what's called Visionary Theology, in which she Ooh. details and analyzed all of her visions. Mm. The first one was called the Sivius, or Sivius. Do you speak Latin? Uh, <laughs> I did. How I, how I say an this? an unfortunate amount of Latin in the high word. school. Uh, that would be Sivius, I think. Sivius. The first one was for Sivius, which means know the ways, and it took her ten years to write. So mm. she's probably like in her early, mid-fifties. When she published it, she shared um, this book with a monk, and he recognized their authenticity. By which it means, as he thought, "Oh, these writings are pretty good," you know. <laughs> yeah, and... this is what God sounds like. <laughs> I know. I talked to him the I other know, day because we, we. I thought a man wrote this. <laughs> we chat. <laughs> God bumped into me on the elevator. We exchanged some like visionary theology. This, yeah, this looks right. Yeah, living we'll shades of light. On I'm onto it. Uh, he showed those writings to his abbot, and eventually it just kept getting spread, and word of her visions made it to Pope Eugenius III, mm. which is a big deal, because that was the Pope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her fame- Three of them wanted to be named Eugenius. <laughs> I want to be named Eugenius. Do you? No. No, I don't. I okay. like my name. <laughs> yeah. From there, her fame quickly spread among the church. Um, what if I name myself Richardus? <laughs> Richardus. You gotta, you you gotta do the whole thing. It's gotta be Richardus von Stad. I'll stick with Shan. Okay. Pope Eugenius III read it and in 1147 encouraged her to continue writing. Um, And then her books, The Merits of Life and The Book of Divine Works, followed. She describes her visions as causing her to see humans as living sparks of God's love, Mm. coming from God as daylight comes from the sun. 
Like all mystics, Hildegard saw the harmony of God's creation and the place of women and men in that. That unity was not apparent to many of her contemporaries. But a lot of her writings were pretty early feminist works. So she was very insistent on including women in worship, mm. which, you know. Awesome. Hell yeah. Actually revolutionary. Yeah. She did speak out about homosexuality in her writings. As a church leader, she had to. But it's not an excuse and it still hurts and I don't like that. Like, I get it. And if I was in her... boo! Yeah. Okay, who among us, three people at this table, Mm -hmm. have not spoken out against homosexual things Mm. Uh in a fit of internalized homophobia? What? Let she who is without (laughs) internalized homophobia throw the first stone. We've all learned and yeah. grown. I was way too Catholic and gay once. I was very religious. Hildegard often wrote about the divine feminine and the dignity of women and presented sexuality in a generally positive way. That is cool. She wrote, creation looks on its creator like the beloved looks on a lover. And a lot of her descriptions of God and marriage kind of are pretty erotic, actually, mm, especially for yeah. that time. Would you like to hear one? I very much would. Okay. So she says that the soul is kissed by God on its innermost regions. It's not even like, you know, subtle. Jesus. (laughs) Innermost regions. Innermost regions. Wow. All right. Now I'm going to say the word yearning three times. Oh, okay. (laughs) With interior yearning, grace and blessing are bestowed. It is a yearning to take on God's gentle yoke. It is a yearning to give oneself to God's way. Wow. She's thinking of someone... Gently yoking me. <laughs> That's not even a joke. Like, Catholic <laughs> theology is <laughs> straight up just kinky as all hell. It truly is. The, Come on, self-flagellation. The central, the central symbol of Catholicism is, like, we're not just going to do a cross like all the other Christians do. We're going to show you, like, Jesus up on that thing, <laughs> suffering and dying. We're just like, yeah, we're just going to show you this, like... Weird BDSM scene that God did every time you go into a church. I don't know if you've ever, like, looked at a crucifix on the wall of a Catholic church. That dude never looks like he's in pain. Yeah. Jesus never skipped leg day. He either looks, like, relaxed. (laughs) So just, like, real quick, I'm just going to record. I'm going to insert this at the beginning of the show. Actually, Mom, just don't listen to any of this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See See you next time. All right. We're back. We're back in now. Excellent. <laughs> that was so fun how we time traveled like that. It was great. Our listeners remember at the beginning of the show when that happened, and we didn't know it was going to happen yet. Whoa. That's true. It's wild, man. It's retro-causality, bro. <laughs> Hildegard also wrote about how much her friend, Richardus von Stad, mm-hmm. helped her when she was writing the Shivias. When I wrote the book Shivias, I bore a strong love to a noble nun, like the one of Paul to Timothy, who connected with me in friendship and love during all these events and who suffered with me until I finished this book. Hmm. They were in love. Also, should we do an episode on Paul and Timothy at some point? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, That'll get us letters, but it's fine. You know what? Send them. Yeah. We can burn letters. <laughs> that is the obvious next step in this. Like, Paul was basically the dude who created repressed homosexuality in Christianity. Oh, goodness. Almost 400 of her letters still survive today, which yeah. is incredible, because, as you may remember, she was born in 1098. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. It's like a thousand years ago. Almost a thousand years ago. Yeah. Wow. Wow. 2019 minus 1098. <laughs> 921 years hey, ago. Hey, yeah. I did it. I did a math. <laughs> <laughs> and then I immediately doubted myself. 
Crazy. <laughs> Her correspondence include um, commentaries and sermons and just anything you could think of. And it includes uh, letters to popes, to emperors, etc. She wrote two extended biographies of saints and ecclesiastical leaders. Um, and some of her studies and writings that I find the most interesting are her works on natural medicines and cures. Mm, a holistic nun. She wrote two huge volumes on the subjects. One, the Physica, focused on scientific and medical properties of plants and animals, which Ooh. is how she's kind of known as an early pharmacist. She was an avid gardener. She knew the smell, the taste, and look of every plant in the Abbey's garden. She spent time drying, boiling, and steeping various herbs together to find the perfect curative powers to heal the sister's ailments. That's amazing. She often wrote about her deep respect and love for plants, animals, rocks, and trees. Hmm. She is a nature gay. She's yeah. totally a nature gay. <laughs> um, the other scientific type book she wrote was called The Cause et Cure. Huh? Nailed it? Yeah. Again? Yeah. Which is an exploration of the human body and its connections to the rest of the world. Uh, she was likely the first person to recommend that people boil water to prevent disease. You know? Pretty good. Wow. Pretty great. Great um, job, Hildy. Just throwing it out there. Boil your water first. <laughs> Might be good for you. She also wrote the first recorded description of orgasms for people with vaginas. Hildy writes, When a woman is making love with a man, a sense mm -hmm. of heat in her brain, which brings with it sensual delight, communicates the taste of that delight during the act and summons forth the emission of the man's seed. <laughs> And when the seed has fallen into its place, that vehement heat descending from her brain draws the seed into itself and holds it, and soon the woman's sexual organs contract, and all the parts that are ready to open up during the time of menstruation now close, in the same way as a strong man can hold something enclosed in its fist. Wow. Thoughts? <laughs> okay, so, so it, to Hildy, a man is necessary for an orgasm. Yes, so. 921 years ago. Wrong there. I feel like though that I also... I don't think that men were giving women orgasms 921 years ago is the thing. The inter... They're still not doing it now. That's I don't... true. The interesting <laughs> thing about that quote, though, is I feel like it kind of implies that she thought a female orgasm was necessary for conception. That was actually yeah. a thing uh, yeah. a lot yeah. of the time. Well, I mean, it was assumed because a male right. orgasm was necessary. Exactly. So and, it's and if gotta a female be... orgasm isn't necessary, then the yeah. only reason it's there is for pleasure. And that can't possibly be because that would no. be sinful. Right. Mm -hmm. So it must be necessary for conception. So there we go. Yes. Women need to get off every time or you're fucking wrong, according mm -hmm. to the Catholic Church. To contrast this, I tried to look up the first recorded description of an orgasm for someone with a penis, mm -hmm. and I wasn't able to find it because mm. it's been included in every single mention of sex ever since writing was invented. Yeah. Wow, shocking. Um, it is more obvious, to be fair. Yeah. There's, there's more output, generally. Mm -hmm. yeah. Consist there's more consistent output, mm -hmm. if you will. How do you think Hildegard mm. knew what orgasms felt like? Because she came, probably. Probably. She, uh... Took a took a little peek under the habit. <laughs> oh, I regret this question. <laughs> you were telling me, I think that like early nunneries, like there was a lot of hanky panky. I don't know why I'm being coy. Well, was I mean, you, you it was a lot of you put a lot of young hormonal women together in the mm. same place, doing everything together, bathing together, eating together, sleeping together. They're going to experiment. They're they're teenagers. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think I think uh, you know, let's uh worship. <laughs> I'm winking repeatedly at Allison. <laughs> I am not uncomfortable. Um, 
feel like that was a lie. What? <laughs> Me? Lie? No. Do we mm. have anything else to say about non-masturbation? Hmm. It's right and they should do it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Hildegard was also a prolific artist, and she created some maps of the universe. Um, she sketched some of them with scientific labels, some of them she fully illustrated and colored. Mm-hmm. These will also be on our Patreon at patreon.com slash pod. So come look at this labeled map of the universe with me. Oh, wow. Allison, that's a vulva. Mm-hmm. Look, that's pubic that's hair. That's interesting. Uh-huh. There's a clitoris. It's strange that so many people can't seem to find the moon. <laughs> the clitoris <laughs> is the moon. <laughs> Don't know what we're talking about? Go to patreon.com. You know. I feel yeah. like it's kind of there. It's just, it's very obvious. Um, yeah, that's really awesome. That's it's amazing. also really interesting to see, like, the um what was at the time a contemporary view of the universe with the stars yeah. uh in front of the clouds <laughs> yeah and on the same level as the moon and then the sun beyond that yeah, yeah. that's that's and really interesting. fascinating the earth is in the dead center yeah, yeah. In the this is a, an earth is the center of the universe right mm-hmm. model dang and then at the so very cool. end is thunder and lightning oh hail. hail and lightning hail and lightning yeah fascinating all the way up there in their directions past the stars Oh, yeah. Gosh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And then this is what it looked like when it was fully colored. Yep. Oh, so pretty. It is. We should get a print of that for our home. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would be so down. Just some subtle vulva cosmology. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is made by an 11th century nun. Yeah, an 11th century nun wouldn't that's paint true. a vulva. No, mm-hmm. it's unheard of. Never been done. In her spare time, she also invented her own alternative alphabet. It didn't catch on. <laughs> But I still bring it up because I did the same thing when I was about 10, and a lot of my diaries are in code. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that's a fun that's fact wonderful. about me. Do you know what her alphabet, like how many letters? I don't know. I couldn't find out any more information about that. I just oh, know it exists. Sad. Yeah. To be fair, I didn't look very hard to find it. I forgive you. That's Thank fair. you. I think she literally called it like the unknown language or something like that. So I guess it's probably fitting. Wow, she was has... a pretentious nature gay. Of course she was. <laughs> well, she's a nature gay who lived with a bunch of other nature gays and um she was probably a pretty pretty extra yeah pretty extra yeah Yeah. i've seen her maps of the universe Mm -hmm. pretty extra yeah Mm -hmm. one of the things she's still best known for today are her compositions so i know you were listening to the canticles of ecstasy earlier they're lovely yeah let's also i've got to say i like assuming that these visions are real for the sake of argument i like a guy who's just sort of like hey hildegard you should go live with a bunch of women and write some cool music (laughs) That's, That's what you're here for. You can fuck them. It's chill with me. I'm God. <laughs> Again, this has been God. This is your Lord and Savior. <laughs> My son is Jesus. Bye. <laughs> oh, wait, also the universe is a vulva. <laughs> I'm a lady. <laughs> I was listening to some of her compositions as I was researching this, and I'll actually drop a little bit right here. Wow, that was so Wow, pretty. that was enchanting. Um, but as I was listening to it in my headphones, Shan, you were listening to chill hip-hop beats to relax and study to. Uh, incorrect. I was listening to Study Beats with a Z, a playlist by Mr. Griffin McElroy. Okay. Well, while you were listening to these ch- chill study beats with a Z, mm-hmm. I was listening to the Canticles of Ecstasy. Yes. Mm. And Shan, the soaring melodies with the chill hip-hop beats underneath it, it's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Oh. I would say... And here's an example, but I'm not going to do that, guys. I don't know how to edit music. 
Um, but if you do it, we'll put it in a future episode. Or, yeah, we absolutely will. Yes, 100%. You send us things, we'll put them into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we are, this is, it is very easy to get into our podcast. Mm-hmm. We crave your attention and affection. I did make Joe date me, but your contract is uh, over now. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So do you want your um, keys back? Yeah. Um, do I collect my last paycheck now or do I need to talk to HR? <laughs> um, you have to give me the uniform back. Damn. But get, you have to get it dry cleaned. Uh, wow. And you well, can only get it with this one very specific company. This, mm, this seems... It's very complicated. Dang, I didn't see it ending like this. Do you but... want to just like keep going because it's too much of a hassle to? Uh, well, I mean, I think you did just fire me, so this is a, it's a weird no, power play. No, no, play you just to... completed your contract. Oh, I see. Okay. No, the power's in your hands now. Oh, cool. Although, you ever want to be on again? Mm. Yeah, we can just to renew it. the contract. That's true. You want to just renew? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Shake on it. Shake, shake. Okay, smooch. I was so romantic. <laughs> I love when a, a lover's quarrel ends with a, a contractual negotiation and a, and a smooch. Mm. <laughs> Please cut all of that out. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how delightful it is. Her music has been described as pushing the accepted boundaries of the 12th century Gregorian chant. Ooh. Um, it's also been suggested that Watch she... Watch out, Gregorian chant. Yeah. It's coming for you. It'll be coming. <laughs> it also has been suggested that she sought a close association between music and the female body, and she gave voice to the anatomy of female desire. Seems like she did wow. a lot of stuff revolving around the female body. Yeah. Weird. Wonder why she was so, like, obsessed with it. <laughs> well, you know, if you have a female body, or, you know, as they understood it at the time, a female body... Mm-hmm then obviously you would be interested in it for yourself and no other reasons. Gay. (laughs) Speaking of gay. (laughs) Shortly after Hildegard completed the Shivius, rich artist was elected the abbess of a distant convent by her brother, who was an archbishop. Hildegard begged rich artist. Yes, her girlfriend. Hildegard begged rich artist to stay and even wrote a letter to the Pope asking (gasps) him to let her girlfriend stay with her. But she had to eventually leave anyway. That's Damn. so sad. And Hildegard wrote, Now let all who have grief like mine mourn with me. All who, in the love of God, have had such great love in their hearts and minds for a person as I had for you, but who was snatched away from them in an instant as you were from me. Wow, that's the straightest thing I've ever mm-hmm. heard. Yeah. Jardis died the next year. The Going Medieval article I mentioned earlier mm-hmm. said, Hildegard no. never got over it. I'm not over it. No one is over it. No, no one's over it. And reportedly on Richardus's deathbed, she tearfully expressed her longing for Hildegard and her intention to return the abbey that they both called their home. Oh, oh that's so sad. It is really sad. And gay. And gay. Yeah. Sad yeah. and gay. It's tragic. Which is sad and gay. Mm-hmm. Hildegard's grief inspired even more artistic creation, as grief often is wont to do. Many people believe that Richardus was the inspiration for one of her best-known compositions, which was a morality play called Ordo Virtuum. Mm. So this, from Going Medieval again, Mm -hmm. they describe it as, During the course of the play, the soul, which is a female voice, is pulled between all of the virtues, humility, hope, chastity, innocence, contempt of the world, celestial love, discipline, modesty, mercy, victory, discretion, patience, knowledge of God, (laughs) charity, fear of God, um, obedience, and faith. That's are so we sure many. that's all of the Is that virtues? All of them? Mm-hmm. Those are the sixteen virtues. Nice. You sure there aren't seventeen? Well, there were seventeen voices, but I believe one of those voices was the soul. 
Wow. Ah. They're all played by women. And then there was also a role for the devil, which is a male voice who mostly just grunted a lot. Mm. Yeah. Like that? Mm-hmm. Do you think it was like that? Like, Probably. Uh. There was also a chorus of prophets and patriarchs who were to be voiced by men, and then a chorus of souls sung by women. They describe it as a whole goddamn production meant to be experienced, not just as music. Hell yeah. Mm. This play that she wrote is the earliest morality play by more than a century, and it's Dang. the only medieval musical drama to survive with an attribution for both the text and the music. Oh, so when you hear nice. it today, it's exactly as she wanted it. Wow. Here's some now. That was great. That was nifty. She was also, as I mentioned, an early feminist. She wrote that while women and men had different relationships to the elements, uh, Mm. science, they were not opposed, and women are certainly not inferior. And Mm. she stated that both men and women were made in the image of God. (gasps) What a And that they were complementary aspects of the divine. Both one isn't inherently worse than the other. What? I know. I thought... I'm really glad that Hildegard fixed feminism mm-hmm. forever and that women were respected after she said that forever yep. and ever, amen. It would have been cool. It sounds like they followed her teachings a lot of the <laughs> time, but not on the whole maybe you should treat women like people part. Yeah, yeah it was like, mm, we like what you're saying, Hildy, but this <laughs> this is too far. But with everything, there has to always be someone who like voices an opinion and gets shot down before mm-hmm. someone else can read that, pick it up and voice the opinion and keep going until you get to a time where... Yes, things are awful, but they aren't as bad as the Middle Ages. Still awful. Still, still Shouldn't awful. be happy with where they are. Still awful. I am wearing pants right now. I'm mad. It's pretty great. But also I own, I can like own things and yeah. I don't have to have yeah. anyone's permission to mm-hmm. buy groceries. Yeah. Hildegard always followed her convictions and she said, and she did what she said God told her. Who knows if God actually told her if she like used it as an excuse. I like to think that she kind of did kind of lean into it a little bit. Well, I think when... When you believe that God controls most things, Mm -hmm. the thoughts that you have, you're going to assume that God sent those to you, too. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I would, like, think and try to figure out God's will for something, I would figure out that something might be God's will if I felt warm inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now, if I think and I think of what I want to do, I kind of feel warm warm inside sometimes. She always followed her convictions. She moved her monastery to Bingen, overlooking the Rhine River, which was controversial for some reason. I don't know why. But she did it. Uh, she called out the Holy Roman Emperor for support for supporting anti-popes. Ooh. She was strongly opposed to self-flagellation, and she spoke mm-hmm. out about it a lot. Towards the end of her life, her monastery was interdicted because she had permitted the burial of a young man who had been excommunicated. Mm. Um, wow. She insisted that he reconciled with the church, and he received all of its sacraments before dying, and she was going to give him a proper burial, no matter what. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cool look, Catholics. <laughs> yep. She eventually died in 1179 at the age of 82 years of Damn. age. Dang, that's old. <laughs> I actually wrote at the age of 82 years of age. <laughs> she died at 82. That's yeah. like In the 1100s. Old. Yeah. That's wild. That's old. It's probably helped that she boiled all of her water before she drank it. Oh, yeah. Sure probably. <laughs> and also like knew how to cure basic things like mm-hmm. probably diarrhea. And yeah. didn't let herself get wrapped in chains until she died. And to, didn't like, make like her whip herself happy. until yeah. she bled. Mm-hmm. As, as punishment yeah she just and also, also she never lived... had kids yeah, yeah true she just hung out 
grew a lot of herbs. And also lived with the church, which was, like, cleaner than most places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Grew a lot of herbs and plants in her garden, drew pictures of vulvas, and wrote music. What a great lady. Yeah. But her contributions were swept under the rug for over 800 years after she died. How dare. It was only pretty recently that her story has started to come to light, because it's only been recently that there's been a rising interest in women's spirituality. She was canonized in 2012 by Mm -hmm. Pope Benedict. And then at that time, she was also made a doctor of that church. You gotta love that, like, Pope Benedict, who just, like, looks like a cartoon of a giant dogmatic asshole, is also like, yeah, but also that woman from, like, a thousand years ago that kept painting the universe as a vulva, yeah, she is defo in heaven. Like, (laughs) super up there. There are 36 doctors currently, and she was the fourth woman to be named doctor. Mm. The first one was named in 1970. Wow. Yep. St. Teresa of Avila. Yeah. I love her. I don't think she's gay, but she's, you know, my girl. Um, <laughs> and then... She was absolutely uh, masturbating while thinking of God, though. If you've <laughs> seen literally any depiction of Teresa of Avila. <laughs> Ultimately, Hildegard was a healer who broke down the walls between science and religion, the mind and the body, Men and women, and matter and spirit. Thank you for coming to my podcast. I'm clapping for myself. I love that. That yeah. was really so good. Thank that you. That is everything I know about Hildegard of Bingen. Any <laughs> any final thoughts? I love Hildegard. She's great. She's my gay friend. And I wish she got the respect she deserved while she was alive. Yeah. That would be really nice. That would be good. That mm. would be good. But at least now there is enough of a resurgence in her interest of her life story that we can learn about her and talk about her on a podcast about being gay. Yeah. Things are still terrible, but at least now there's electricity. <laughs> and we can there have podcasts. Go. I have all my teeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have most of my teeth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, as always, to our very good friend Leslie for our logo design. Does she have a plug this week? Yes. Uh, Leslie's plug this week is as follows. Even when you think you're failing, you are succeeding at finding alternative ways to do things. This is not a silver lining. This is a strength that should not be discounted. Ah, dang, Leslie. (laughs) You always say the best. I need to kind of incorporate that into my life and just sort of think for a little while. Let's all just sit with the Leslie plug for a moment. Thank you, Leslie. You're Thank a shining you, star of a human. Yes. You can support Leslie by going to see her uh, movie, um, Detective Pikachu. It's her movie. It's her movie. Absolutely. And she yes. did it all. If you stay through the credits. You'll see her name. You'll see her name. The whole thing. The whole one. Her whole dang name. <laughs> I saw it and I yelled. I went. Loud. Oh, there's my friend. Confirm. I was alone, so I didn't really yell yell, but I went. I yelled and I grabbed my girlfriend and my girlfriend and mm-hmm. I pointed. Yep. <laughs> So you had two arms, and then also you were pointing. I, I like, I two-arm grab, grabbed Elena, mm-hmm. and then I two-arm grabbed Joe, and then I pointed with two arms and shouted, that's my friend. <laughs> you can support us on Patreon, as we've mentioned, at going to patreon.com slash vintagelespod for even more vintage lesbians and uh, exclusive content. Ooh, I love Seven that Seven bucks content. a month. We'll give you cool stuff. Yes, like content. Joe's a, a supporter. Joe, how do you feel about supporting vintage lesbians on Patreon? Um, it's alright. Would you say, oh, 
gives me a, a natural high. Vintage Stop Lesbians is hands. one of the greatest shows I have ever backed. I have no complaints. I am treated very well. I have enough food. I love this show. Stop it's really great. I <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Vintage Les Pod or send us an email at vintagelespod at gmail.com. That's vintage L-E-S-P-O-D. Hell yeah, it is. You can also follow us on our personal social medias. I'm at justashan underscore. And I'm at Allison Humphreys. You figure out the spelling. Would you like to Joe, plug would you anything? Like to plug anything? Uh, no. I am a ghost and I do not exist. Well, that is a very upsetting thing to find out. I have Joe been dating a ghost for four months. Okay. I'm sorry you had to find out this way. <laughs> where have I been sleeping? Mm. When I sleep at your home, Joe, where do I go? Joe? Yeah. Joe, where do I go? Okay, so you know like the astral plane, right? Yeah. It's not that oh, at all. Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to talk about this off air. Um, In the meantime, we love you. We love you so much. Do you want to say that you do love you our listeners? Tell the listeners that you love them. You know what, listeners? I do love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Vintage lesbians. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it later. <laughs> <laughs>